Welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. The Word of God reads, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. So first he appears, they were afraid. Then he speaks to them. He calms their fear. He says, peace be with you. Then he begins to prove their doubts. In other words, he doesn't prove. He, he proves that what they're doubting is actually real. So he proves to them, hey, listen, look at the wounds in my hand. And my side, I am, I am the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they were filled with joy. Now remember that. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. He breathed on them. I think Jesus had pretty good breath. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Father, we need you this morning. We just need you to fill us. We ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God, upon every believer, the one that is strong, the one that is weak, the one that is growing, the one that is stagnant. It's only through the power of your Holy Spirit are we able to to execute great and mighty things. We ask you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I got good breath too. But don't breathe on them because you might, you, might, you might find out the truth. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Then when I come to church, I always make sure my wife has a, a, a bag full of mints for me. Because I remember being like very young in the Lord and somebody praying for me at the altar. And I didn't even hear the prayer because I was distracted by the aroma of their breath. So it's always been like something on my mind. I got to have good breath all the time. Um, so, amen. Let me give you a scenario here. You've, you're talking to someone for a while. You meet them. Like yesterday we were on, um, we were in East, East Boston doing some evangelism yesterday. And um, we were talking to people. And so we meet, you meet somebody, a friend, a, your date, whatever. And they seem super interested in you. Have you ever met somebody like that? They seem so excited to meet you. Whenever I meet, everybody's excited to meet me. They're like, you're from L.A., you're an ex-vato loco, you're Mexican, you know, so, you know, I mean, at least it seems like they're excited. Okay, they seem super interested in you, and then the pool of communication comes to a screeching halt. If you've ever been ghosted before, then you're probably familiar with the play-by-play. And according to a 2018 study from the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships, out of 1,300 people surveyed, a quarter of them had been ghosted by someone. How many of you have ever been ghosted by somebody before? By a a job? I'll call you. You're hired. I'm going to call you tomorrow. And then the next day, you're checking your phone all the time. Like, I just got ghosted. Right? Or you meet somebody, hopefully in church, and they like you, hopefully, not at the bar. In church, if you meet somebody at the bar, you're already on the wrong track. I'm going to tell you that. Let me just, that's not even in my message. Praise the Lord. Uh, You know, okay, so a quarter of them had been ghosted by somebody. And a fifth of of 1,300 people reported ghosting somebody themselves. Have you ever ghosted anybody? 
You know, I, I, I really didn't, wasn't familiar. I mean, I knew the term being ghosted before I came to Boston. But Boston has really, really nailed that term, to ha- uh, that, nailed that, that, that thing on the head, that term, I've been ghosted. Because I've been ghosted here more than any city in the world that I've ever been to. Pastor, I'll meet you. Pick me up right here and right here. And then I go to pick them up. I'm like, where are you at? Then they're not answering their phone no more. You could have just told me you didn't want to come to church. Pastor, I'll call you tomorrow. I promise. I will be there. I've been ghosted so many times. I'm going to start ghosting people myself. Well, the term ghosting sounds like a harmless prank you play on Halloween. The act itself can be, can be pretty, pretty hurtful to people. Even when, you're, even when our team here, we're always reaching out. You know, yeah, I remember being, we met a couple. They were, they were dealing with addiction. And, and we were talking. They didn't seem too interested. The next day, the guy called me and says, I'm ready to give my life. Um, can we get that turkey you told us about? And I said, yeah, of course. Come on. Come over for dinner. Oh, man, we want to serve. We, you know, whatever it takes. We were tired. And gave them a turkey. They were supposed to pick them up the next day. They stopped answering their phone. Didn't text back. We, so we went and showed up at their door. And they looked like they seen a ghost. And I'm like, brother, you could have just said you didn't want to come. Anyways, praise the Lord. <laughs> but it could be pretty hurtful. Our, we tell our team, look, just keep reaching, keep talking, keep praying. And when they're ready, they know where we're at. We'll pursue them. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I'm not going to be ghosted time and time again by the same person. According to, according to research, the person that's ghosting you, it doesn't really have anything to do with you. So go, whoo, thank you, Jesus. When the person ghosts you, it really has everything to do with themselves. And I'm going to show you what I mean from the scripture we just read. The number one thing that we see in the church or as we're here building is that people love to ghost godly relationships. See, as we walk further in our, our journey, so many of you have started a journey. You're walking your faith journey. And the need for godly relationships becomes more and more. So the longer you walk with the Lord, you realize that the need... For, for spiritual and uh, for all relationships, for your husband and wife, for your children, the need for relationships becomes more and more important the older you get. Some people think it's the opposite. But it is actually even more important to gain godly relationships the older you get in the Lord and in age. There's three relationships that should be in our lives. And these are biblical. Number one, there should be a mentor relationship. Or we say disciplers, the person that is discipling me, my mentor, the one that I go to, the one that I say, hey, listen, what does God say about this? How do you feel? Let me bounce something off you. I'm thinking about marrying this girl. What do you think? And think about marrying this guy, sister. Please help me. You're my mentor. You're the one that has been directed. And that is very biblical. The theme of the New Testament, yes, is Jesus Christ. But the, second, uh, uh, primary, uh, the secondary theme of the New Testament is discipleship. That's why our team is always constantly trying to get you into prayer, into reading your word, into uh, what does God say about a situation. You can believe what we say, but we'll always point you to the Bible. Like somebody, you know, they got mad at me recently because they said, well, you said this about giving. I said, I didn't say that. The Bible said that. 
The mentor who's in your life, who's able to tell you the truth? Who's able to say, sister, brother, you need to change in the things of God? Is there anybody like that? Now, we see that with Paul and Timothy. Timothy's mentor was the apostle Paul. And it's, very, it's a very important relationship. I got to where I'm at today because I had mentors in my life. People that I asked or asked me the hard questions. Asked me the things that I didn't want nobody. You know, we're human beings. We don't like nobody telling us what's wrong with us. At least I don't. At least, I mean, you know, it's not always an easy pill to swallow. But I thank God for those men because those men love me enough to tell me the truth. They say, bro, you need to change the way you think. You need to change the way you talk. You can't be a cussing Christian. If you want to be, you can. But God doesn't have that for you. And I had to listen to them. And I had to say, you know what, i got to change some things in my life. If I want to be everything God's called me to be. And how many of you want to be everything God's called you to be? See, some of you will listen to psychics on TV, but you won't listen to the mentor that has godly advice for you. You'll listen to, you go to marriage counseling with your auntie that's been divorced 10 times, but you won't listen to people that have been married 30 years because they're going to tell you the truth. You won't listen to somebody that married and dated one girl. You'll listen to somebody that's been in and out of relationships their whole life and they think it's cool. But the mentor relationship, then there's also the peer relationship. How are we with our peers, our friends? I need to have friends because I need to let my hair down sometimes. I need to have a good time. I need to relax. I need to be, I'm always me. I tell the team that you're going to get me in leadership. And I'm just, because I've done ministry so long, it has to be exciting for me. And serving the Lord is exciting. When people say, well, serving God is so boring, they know you're boring. <laughs> Brother, I've been all over the world. I've been in it. I've been, you know. Bless God's best. Well, that's an exciting life. I don't know what God has up ahead in the future, but it has to be exciting. But you need the friendships. You know, we need the friendships. I thank God for the friendships that he's given me. And, of course, there, you know, you don't have, you know, not everybody you know is your friend. But there's those good, there's Bible says that there's friends that are closer than brothers. And then there's also the last one you should have eventually as you're going into things of God is a disciple. Somebody you're leading in the things of God. In order to disciple, you don't have to go to Bible school. In order to disciple, you don't have to read all the books of the Bible, although you should be reading the Bible. <clears throat> in order to disciple, you just have to be one step ahead of somebody. I don't know much, but let me show you what I do know. And if I don't know the answer, we'll go to my discipler. See how the relationships work? See, some of us have a tendency to ghost the people in, 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 our, in the relationships that we have, as I mentioned above, because when we don't like what we hear, we get the spiritual scissors and cut them loose. I heard somebody say that on their Instagram. I carry around spiritual, I used to carry around spiritual scissors. So when I didn't like a relationship in my life, because the world would say, well, get away from toxic people. But it's not that they're toxic, it's that, it's that they're trying to get you somewhere where you can't see that you need help getting to. So you cut them loose. And then they cut you loose. I've done that in my life. I cut people loose that I didn't like, that I rubbed me the wrong way, that didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. And then you live with regret because those are the people that you need the most in your life. The people that are going to be honest and they're going to tell you and they're going to love you when you're doing great and they're going to love you when you're not. They're going to love you when you have money and when you don't. You know, when you're young, you think your friends are your ride and dies, but then you find out that they ain't. We get the scissors and we cut people loose when we, we, we don't, we don't uh, 
you know, we don't like somebody, we let them know it. Someone once told me, you're one relationship away from your breakthrough. You're one relationship. That next relationship that God wants to give you could be the relationship that sets you on the course of your future. This is why in those difficult relationships, uh, the ones that we have that we don't like, those are the ones that grow us the most. But instead of walking around with scissors, let's walk around with the first aid kit and put bandages and heal those, those things that hurt us so that those relationships can prosper us. Relationships are important to the Lord. They are so important to God. Let me read you a story. The Apostle Paul had to learn this lesson. Now, the great Apostle Paul. How many of you think you're like Apostle Paul? Raise your hands. Okay, the reason why you don't, because you have them up here. But listen to this. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul learned this when he eventually returned to Jerusalem following his conversion to Christ. So the Apostle Paul was a hit man. He 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 worked for the Jewish mob. He was a, a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he says. Strict and zealous for the law of God. He gets converted. People were still afraid of him. The disciples were afraid of him. They didn't trust him. But Barnabas... Barnabas had to persuade the disciples to let the Apostle Paul fellowship with them. And this is found in Acts chapter 9. As a result of this intercession, a wonderful friendship between Paul and Barnabas was formed. It is therefore rather sad to note that they eventually had a falling out of sorts. And so on the... In the Bible, it says, on the first missionary journey together, John Mark, which was, was, which was an eye accountant, he wrote the, the Gospel of Mark. He was an, eye, an eyewitness of Jesus Christ and the miracles. The cousin of Barnabas accompanied them. Along the way, however, John Mark decided to return to his home in Jerusalem. The reason for his departure is not specified in the sacred text. But later on, when a second mission was planned, Barnabas proposed taking Mark as a helper, but Paul resisted the idea. The New Testament record record indicates that a sharp contention, now that word contention means a violent outburst. That means that Paul and Barnabas were about to get down. (laughs) Not the Apostle Paul, yes. And we have to take record of this because relationships are so important to God, but it also shows us that, that these great men also had human tendencies like you and I. They were about to go toe to toe. Have you ever seen that in Christianity? I've seen that. I've seen two brothers love each other, but because of an argument, they want to fight. Now, husband and wife, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> they could not reach an agreement, so they split up. And as far as the text, the records indicate, these two remarkable men never seen each other again. To the greatest duel in the, in the Bible was Paul and Barnabas. We have the churches today because Paul and Barnabas were missionaries that went and spread the gospel throughout the, 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 the land at that time, the known world at that time. And although Paul and Barnabas' relationship may not have been healed, listen to this. What happened with, with Paul and Mark? Towards the end of the book, Paul gives a list of personal instructions, mainly a, comprom- a compromise of several people to greet and one person in particular to dodge. Sometimes you've got to dodge some people, Amen. Why are you going to that church? Brother, I got to see you later. That's why I got to dodge Durango because I got to dodge people. <laughs> Among the names listed, we find a personal reference to Mark 
by Paul in verses 4, verse 11. It says, Paul writes, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with me, for he is very useful to me for ministry. So at first, Paul didn't want Mark around. He, didn't, he says, man, you let us down, brother. You, you did these things. But through, through a course of time, he became a dear and personal friend of, of the apostle Paul. And in fact, they said that he was near his death. So when you're near your death, you only want people that are close to you with you. So he says, bring the apostle, bring Mark with you, perhaps use for him in the ministry. In fact, bring my books and my cloaks and my eat and my Kindle. Bring it. That's how important relationships are to God. It is important to know that God thinks highly of the relationships that are in our lives. In fact, the Ten Commandments show us how much. The first four deal with our relationship with the Lord. The last six deal with our relationship with people. So sometimes we ghost the godly people that God puts in our life. Sometimes we, 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 don't, we, we, we shine them off. Sometimes when we don't hear what we want, we cut them loose. And, but those are the ones that you need the most. But not only do we ghost godly people. Listen, there's many people that ghost Jesus. See, we know God desires, desires us to grow near to him as, as he grows near to him, us. As we grow near to him, he grows near to us, it says in Peter. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's God's promise. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. How many of you want to be closer to Jesus? But people go to Jesus when motives are questioned. Jesus calls three men to follow him. He says, follow me. And one man says, listen, I have to go bury my father. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Another man says, I'll, you know, I'll follow you. He says, listen, I don't even have a house to lay my head in. So, and that man went away very sad. He talks to three different men. And they all have excuses. Because the motives of their heart weren't right. What's in this for me? Well, my friend, I'll, let me tell you very clearly what's in Christianity for you. Yes, God wants to heal. Yes, God wants to bless you. Yes, God wants to restore you. But for, before all that could happen, he says to die to yourself. Well, I got to find myself. No, the Bible says die to yourself if you want to find the life that God has for you. When I came to the Lord, I was a very prideful young man. Very prideful. In Spanish, they say machismo. Now they say in Portuguese, machismo, like, like very macho. Not, not, the, not, not, the, um, not the macho, who sings that song? YMCA's macho man. No, the real macho man. I was muy macho, machismo. In Mexicans say machismo, right? Or might even be a Latin thing, I don't know. And I had to, I, 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 you know, I had a plan. I had a plan, because if you don't know, I know you look at me and I say, man, pastor must have worked on Wall Street before his conversion, went to Harvard. No. I, I, was, I went to Penn State for, four, for six, five years. Free room and boarding, three meals a day. I did get an education there. But I was there, and I got out, and I had a plan that, okay, I'm going to serve you, God, but I'm, I want to get a job. I want to get a, a good uh, church girl, and I want to stay off of drugs. And God says, okay, well, that's fine if that's all you want, and, and, and that's fine if that's your plan. But I got a better plan for you. I want to bless your life with more than you could ever think and or imagine. In fact, if you give your motives up, I'm going to give you more than you could ever have dreamed of. I didn't know what was in store for me when I, I had to die to myself. I had to surrender everything that I had. And I didn't have much. So some of you it's a little harder, but I didn't have too much. And I surrendered, but my motives were called 
to the forefront of my heart. God said, listen, if you could have those things or you could have what I have for you. And I think for our church, Victor Judge Boston, that is the battle we face today. Is there many people are deciding, is it worth me following Jesus like they do? Or do I want to follow him like I do? Up and down, in and out, emotional, not, 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 not having victory, not, not, not being able to experience God's fullness in your finances, in your health. Why does that happen? Because we go to Jesus when he challenges the motives of our heart. When I, people also go to Jesus when we talk about money. The rich young ruler came and says, listen, I have obeyed all the commandments. Jesus, I want to follow you. And he says, okay, you've done those things well. But now go sell all your riches and follow me, he says. Quit your job at Dunkin' Donuts and follow me. <laughs> Don't quit your jobs. I'm just saying. I'm just, you know, when God calls you in whatever aspect, he might call you to quit that job to get that. Bless you with a better job. He might call you to leave that career to go into the ministry. He might call you to do, you, you, you never know. But money is always at the center of our heart. And he, and he challenges this young man. You know, that it's, you know that everybody in the church, even in the Jewish church, when Jesus was, he was watching the offering basket one day, the Bible says. He was watching. He wasn't watching the people. He was watching the offering basket. And he says to one of the disciples, listen, you see those other men that gave abundance? The widow that came and gave what she had gave more than all of them. And you know what that says? It says that everybody participated. Hey, it didn't matter what you had and if you're growing and you're giving, that's fine. But it was a heart issue because money grips your heart. Money grips your heart. Today I was talking to my wife and she said, because I'm very active, so I have like, I have sweat clothes, guys. Let me tell you what sweat clothes are. I sweat so much I, when I play or I work out, I, I'm just like a water fountain. It's just crazy. And, uh, but my clothes all smell like sweat. And, she, and so we use, you know, a more inexpensive brand of detergent, right? Because financial, right? So today I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of living like that. We're going to buy the good detergent. <laughs> but my point is we were already thinking about money because in my mind I'm like, you know, it's like $8 more than the cheaper one, right? <laughs> and you get three loads less and then I was doing all the math. And, and, and so we don't realize we think about money like that all day long. But when we put our trust and our finances in God's hands, God says, I'm gonna, about to open up my Yo, this money, see, like, even some of you are like, well, I knew this church was about money. No, if we were about money, brother, I'd be in Cambridge. <laughs> no, money, when we, when we put our money in God's hands, God blesses you. Yes. And you put your focus on him. That's what it does. That's what tithes and offering does. It takes your focus off of yourself and what you could achieve. Although it might be, might be good, he wants to put your focus on him and what he could achieve. And that's great. But then also people leave the Lord, they ghost him when they don't understand, they don't understand the things he says. In other words, there's two times when the crowd was 5,000 people were following Jesus. He says, listen, you're about to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. What the heck? To a Jewish person, that would have been cannibalism. So natural mindedness, they didn't understand what he was saying, that of his death and resurrection. And the Bible says immediately they stopped following him. Brother, you need to stop smoking. God has a better plan for you. Oh, you know what? I don't, I'll call you later, Jesus. 
Uh, you need to stop doing these things. They don't understand why, why God begins to challenge you. You don't understand, well, I, I, why can't I serve God like this? Well, if that's all you want and that's all you want to achieve, that's, that might be fine. But God has a higher level of life for you. God will always have a higher level of life for you. You think that that job is where you're going to be stuck at? No. If you give it all to God and you begin to say, God, I want to understand why you speak to me this way, then, I, then you're going to experience God's fullness. Another time they're following him and they said, oh, Jesus, you're the Messiah. He says, listen, before you find your life, you need to lose it. People are like, what? But I, I need to self-construct. I need to build my idea. I need to reinvent myself. He said, listen, forget about all that. Die to yourself. Die to yourself and then you will find life. And the abundant life, the Zoe life, the overwhelming life, the overflowing life. So when you don't understand, you could always ask questions. We're human beings. We understand that when I came in, I didn't understand a lot of things. I didn't understand the Bible. How many of you understand everything in the Bible? Because you could preach next week if you do. <laughs> I didn't understand. I'll be honest with you. What does it mean, die to myself? Do I got to kill myself? What are you talking about? You're confusing me, man. But I said, listen, I, all I know is what I felt in the beginning. I felt something different when I came to church. Felt, I felt, I don't know what it was. It was the atmosphere. It was, I just felt something different. I said, man, this, this is what I've been looking for. So if they're not telling me to do anything bad, then I'm just going to do it. I might not like it. I might not understand it. But then I started to ask questions. Why do we do this? And, and not in a bad heart or bad so I just wanted to understand. Then I would see it in the Bible. I said, wait a minute, he just told me that. But said, and then, then in my prayer time, God would speak something to me. And then somebody would come and confirm it the same exact thing. Let me just share this with you. When I was learning to understand God, I remember being, I was in the men's home, our men's recovery home. And I remember I didn't know God's voice. I knew God did something in my life dramatically. And I remember I was praying one morning. There was about 50 men. Oh, everybody praying like that. Some guys were crying. Oh forgive me it was like it was like I've never seen anything like that in my life men were broken and asking God for forgiveness and crying out that's how I learned how to pray I listened to other men and I remember one morning when the the, the head staff says okay guys I want you to get a part of the house and everybody I want you to lay your hand on something and pray for that pray for the rooms the beds and I said you know what in my mind I said I'm gonna pray for the doors and everybody's praying right because I thought if you come in and you go out because I was in the Bible, then you're going to be blessed. I want people to come in and be blessed. I want people to go out and be blessed. That's, that's what I thought. But then I'm like, no, that's stupid. Have you ever had an idea and you're just, you think it's stupid? <laughs> so I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then the staff goes, wait a minute, Daddy. And I was like, yeah, what did, yeah, what did I do wrong? Now everybody's praying. He says, go pray for the doors right now. And I was like, what the heck, bro? And I realize that even when I don't understand when God speaks to me, if I act in obedience, God is going to begin to show me why he's leading me. He's going to begin to show me why he brought me to a crazy church called Victory Outreach Boston with three crazy pastors, a crazy stage manager named Christ on. When he's in the flesh, it's Christ off. A Finnish guy named Kurt. Hey, Kurt, come on, Kurt. Huh? Doug in the back from North Hollywood. Who would ever thought? I don't understand everything, but I know that I, what I feel here, and I know when I talk to the people of God, I know that I'm in the right place. 
But also when we ghost godly people, when we ghost Jesus, we also ghost our future. See, Hebrews says, cling to your faith in Christ. It says, cling. That means grab on with all your might. And keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciousness. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Do you know who Demas is? Does anybody know who Demas is? Don't be a Demas. Demas forfeited his future. He was on the missionary trips with the apostles. But the Bible records Demas has loved the world and forsaken the work. In other words, he went back to the nightclub. He went back to just focusing on education. He went back to working 90 hours a week and forgetting about the Sabbath day. Who knows what he, he, he says. He loved the things of the world. You cannot serve two masters. We're talking about my dog this morning. I was telling my son, because he listens to my son, that you're his master. He said, well, he listens to his brother too. I said, well, he can't have two masters, bro. And it brought this scripture to my mind that you cannot have two masters. That's why we can't serve God halfway. The Bible says that God will spit you out. That's what he says. He'll hawk a loogie. I could delete that from the recording. You see what happens when we, when we begin to, you know, we begin to ghost our relationships with godly people. When we begin to ghost um, our relationship with Christ, then we also ghost our future. And God has a glorious future for you. I don't care what background you came from. I don't care if you have no education or you have an education. I don't care if you're musicianally inclined. I don't care if you have money. You don't have money. I don't care if you have an addiction, an attitude. I don't care if you're from Harvard, you got a diploma. It does not matter. God has a greater future than you could ever think or imagine. They told me that 23 years ago and I had no, no clue in my mind what that meant. But I've been living it for the last 23 years, time and time again. God has blown me away. So don't ghost your future. Stay close to the godly relationships. Stay close to Jesus. And when you do that, then you get ghosted by Jesus. We see what happens when, when, when we keep our godly relationships, we keep close to the Lord. Most of all, the Lord. But he has godly relationships for a reason in your life. Let me tell you what God desires for your life. He desires this to ghost you. And you're able to say, I've been ghosted. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know if I have been. If we look closely at our text in John 20, we find the disciples locked in a room because they were afraid. See, there's many people in this church this morning that you're still locked in a spiritual room because you're afraid. You're afraid what it means to truly follow Christ with all of your heart. You're afraid to really commit to the things of God because maybe you've been hurt before or you, 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 don't, you're, you're, you know it's going to consume a little bit more of your time. You're afraid to step out into the unknown so you're in a spiritual room locked away. You're afraid to, to follow God because you love your job so much. You're afraid. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying God's going to take your job, but if it comes before him, he's going to require it of you. He is. They were afraid. They were locked away in a room. And there may be some of us that find ourselves in a similar place. See, we want to go deeper. How many of you want to go deeper in God? You want to go higher. 
How many of you want to fly high in the things of God? We want to grow. I think that's what every, if I could ask every person in here, they would all say yes to all three of those things. Yes, I want to grow. Yes, I want to go deeper. Yes, I want to fulfill God's plan. But I'm afraid of the unknown or the requirements or the total surrenderance of myself. But see, see, Jesus shows up and the first thing he says to them is peace be with you. He calmed their fears. Peace be with you. What you've been looking for has been here all along. And the peace that I give you is nothing like the world. It surpasses the understanding of man. It surpasses our understanding. I give you peace. Then he says, listen, I know you're doubting. What's this ministry about? Who are these guys? What are they talking about the vision? What are they talking about raising money? What are they talking about opening up men's and women's homes? What are they talking about building a base to launch out? Oh, what? I don't understand this. I just came to be a part of a little church. But then we have a big vision. And you have doubts. And it's normal to have doubts. But then Jesus begins to say, listen, look at my hands and look at my sides. And what we say is look at the history of Victory Outreach. We've been making a difference in the world for over 50 years. Testimony upon testimony of people that have been transformed by the power of God. From different walks of life. In the beginning it was just drug addicts. Now it's every walk of life. We got people on TV. We got actors. We got sports people. We got boxers. We got ex-drug addicts. And they all work together to reach more people. There's a vision we have. And all you got to do, number one, look at Jesus. But then look at the history we're not just going to build a community church. Now, those things are good. We have, a, we have a vision to impact the world, the East Coast and the world. The East Coast is no joke. It's a different vibe. You know? Every man for himself here. You know? Not only did he calm their fears, but he proved their doubts. And the Bible says, then they were full of joy. See, that's when he breathed on them. He says, now you're ready. And that was an indication of what was to come in Acts 1.8. When he breathed on them, we see the full demonstration of it when the Holy Spirit filled them. In the Old Testament, it came upon people and left. In the New Testament, today's time, he indwells in people. He fills them up. He makes his home in you and I. How do you know when you've been ghosted by Jesus? In John 7, 38, it says, Anyone who believes in me and, and may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water may flow from his heart. Now, word river, it, it, in the Greek, it's rhea. And it gives a picture of a rushing stream. Of a rushing stream, like the Colorado rivers coming down from the top, rushing. And if you get it in it, it's going to sweep you up. And it's going to take you where it leads you, but also so that when people come encounter with you, so when you know somebody's been ghosted by Jesus, it comes out of them. It is overflow. Somebody said, I don't know what's with Victory Irish people. You're always happy. It's not that we're always happy, but we're full of the living Holy Spirit of God. I've been ghosted, and for 23 years, it hasn't changed. So wherever we go, when you meet Mindy, oh, my God, it's overflowing. And Pastor Eric, it's overflowing. And you're like, man, i got to get out of here. Give me a life jacket or something. When you encounter people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, it, comes, it's, it is overflowing. 
I, never, I don't ever think I've seen Pastor Eric be, get mad. I don't think. Ever. I don't think I have. I don't remember. A, but that's overflowing. I want to be that kind of Christian. I want to be that kind of Christian that, and I have my days, man. I, get, I have my days where I get up and I look at my family. I'm like, God, my family's not where I, need, I want it to be or you do. My job, my pastoring, our church. You don't think the devil comes on Monday morning? What are you doing? The winter's coming soon. You know, I'm from California, everybody. I don't know what winter is. We have a year-round summer. <laughs> what are you doing? What's wrong with you? But then all of a sudden, the rivers of living water begin to fill me. It says, son, I called you here. Keep your eyes on me. Let me fill you again this morning. And that's what God wants to do to you. That's why we open up the altars. You know why? It's because God is able. Now, I know, I know you guys are private. I don't want nobody to know my business. But you know what? God wants to put your business on display. I'm not talking about the intricate parts. So that when he blesses your life, he'll get the glory publicly. Well, he blesses you so that others can see. And that they will turn and glorify him. But also at the altars, the Holy Spirit begins to fill you. The words I speak are just my words. But this word, as it comes out of me, it's his words. When you come to the altars, he's able to seal that with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't understand what they're talking about. I, and I remember, I don't know if I ever shared with you, I remember being a, oh, a year saved. And I wanted to quit. I don't remember why. Probably something really dumb. Like they didn't give me seconds or something. <laughs> something like that. And I remember... I came to the altar. I don't know why I went to the altar. And I, I lifted my hands. I said, God, if you don't speak to me, I'm, I might not make it another night. I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Victory Outreach. I'm going to leave the ministry. I'm going to leave Christianity. I'm going to leave you. I don't remember what I was going. I was going through something. And then the preacher came and he says, you right there. I was, I was standing right there. You, yeah, you. Yeah, you. And I was looking at him. I'm like, me? Yes, you. And then the usher came and got me, and he goes, no, 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 not him, the guy next to him. It's a true story. So the usher came and got him, and the preacher started walking away, and then he stopped and he looked at me. He's all, you, only if you want it, come. I was like, well, what am I going to do? I want to leave, but then, the, okay. So I went. I sat on the side of the say, he prayed for the guy. I don't remember the guy. Bam. He came, he looked at me, and he goes, you're not a quitter. You're not a quitter. Again, I'm like, what? Who told this guy my business? He said, God told me to tell you in a year from now, your words are going to have power. And he has great things lined up for you. But you're not a quitter. You know what he was operating in? He was operating in the rivers of living water. And it was overflowing that came to me. And this morning, God wants to fill you with those rivers of living water. He wants a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence for many is speaking of tongues. But you know what another evidence is? Overwhelming joy. How many of you need some joy in your life? I'm talking about no matter what comes, man. You're just like, you know, my car got towed on Friday. But you know, I didn't let it get me down, man. I was like, you know what? Forget that. That was a liar, dude. 
But it came at a time where I, I could have I been down. I could have said, you know what, man, this thing's not working. Stupid, I'm quitting. But I said, you know, God, no, 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 no. We're going to continue to do what we're doing. We're gonna, and all of a sudden, bad faith starts to build up. I mean, you know what, we're close. Those attacks come when we're close. Fighting with your family comes when it's close. And man, almost losing your job. God's do, is about to do something greater than you could ever imagine. But you got to be filled with his Holy Spirit. You want to break addiction? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to get over depression? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to get healed? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the, we're going to teach on the ministry of the Holy Spirit soon, but the Holy Spirit has a ministry to do in your life, a work. He has a service to do in your life. You cannot serve God without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He convicts you of sin. He guides you. He gives you wisdom. He prompts you. He reminds you. He convinces you. He empowers you. He fills you with boldness. That's his job to do to you. If, if a year, 23 years ago, if you told me I'd be doing what I'm doing today, I could never have thought. I used to sit in the very back, not talking. My wife would be like, what's wrong with you, dude? She didn't even know me then either. She's like, you're like a weirdo. I was so paranoid from the lifestyle that I led. I had to sit in the back. I had to watch. I had to just, it was, it was part of my training. When I look at that, when, like what I'm doing today, like it was only the power of God. It was it. It's not because char charisma. It's not because I've been to school. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Nine, in October 27, 1999, I got ghosted by God. October 27, it was 6 p.m. Evangelist Philip with the crew, he went out to be with the Lord. He did an altar call, and he says, if you want to surrender, all of a sudden I got up. I always say this story. I don't know how my legs were moving because I didn't want to go up. I was drawn to the altar, and I gave my life to the Lord. I found my mom. I said, Mom, I got saved. Woo! Then I found my brother. I told my brother, I got saved. And then I called my sister. I got saved. And all of them were like, what? Okay, the Lord must be coming back. But I got ghosted 23, is it, I don't remember, 24 years ago. Dang, it's flying by. And I'm still 24 years old, though. Like I got say when I was one, amen, right? It was the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not the programs that we have. It's not the ministries that, it, it, you know what we offer here is the power of the Holy Spirit. Not that we could give it to you, you got to desire that. But an atmosphere, an atmosphere that's going to say, you know what, I want to be ghosted by God. So wherever I go, if I go to East Boston, you know, last night I thought I got ghosted last night. I met an Irish guy in East Boston. His name was Billy. He had the, uh, you know, you know, the, where's your car, you know? And, we were, and I gave him my number. I said, man, I don't know why I didn't get his number. It was like, it was real fast. And I was sharing my testimony. He walked away. And I'm like, man, this guy's going to go. He, I'm never. And he texted me this morning. He says, Pastor says, Billy, you know what? I'm going to try to make it next week. Pray for me, please. So I was like, I was like, I was filled. Like, okay. You know, the rem reminder, the Holy Spirit began to remind me, listen, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> it was me and Christian, actually. We talked to the guy. And I can't take credit for any of that. I can't take credit for my children. I can't. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, God wants to feel some of you for the first time. Some of you are going to speak in tongues. Some of you are going to be refilled. A fresh fire is going to come upon you. Some of you, depression is going to lift. Some of you, joy is going to come like you haven't had in a long time. I'm not talking about happiness. 
Happiness comes and goes. But joy is lasting. As you stand this morning. Now I know I went a little bit longer this morning. But I, I really feel as the world is celebrating the, super, the, the super, demonic supernatural, we celebrate every day the Holy Ghost supernatural. We want to be Holy Ghost filled so that we can be Holy Ghost led. And the Bible says if you're, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you are sons and daughters of God. I want to be God's son. I never had an earthly father. Or I did, but he, was, he wasn't a good dad. But our Heavenly Father will never, never let us down. This morning as they sing this song. Now listen, I'm not looking for a big altar call. That's not the purpose of altar calls. But I am looking for those that say, you know what, I want to be filled. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to live this Christian life with authority. The reason why we live the way we do is because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like they were in the Bible. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray this message builds your faith, encourages, and strengthens you in your walk with the Lord. If you would like to partner with us, sow a seed today. Head on over to our website at voboston.org and hit the giving link located at the top of the page. God bless you.